Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. Like many of you listening in today, journalism.co.uk has made the move to work from home. So today, I bring you our first podcast episode recorded and edited from my flat as the UK enters coronavirus lockdown. It seems that right now, coronavirus and COVID-19 are topics we cannot escape from. It's hard for us in the media to report about anything else because audiences are so glued to their screens, waiting to hear about the latest updates, hanging on every word in these uncertain times. Our guest today is Trina Siverson, who is the Professor of Media Studies at the University of Oslo. With what seems like impeccable timing, next week she releases her book, Digital Detox, The Politics of Disconnecting. Today, we dive into some of the key themes which feel really timely as it explores what compels people to disconnect from social and digital media, why they do it, why they struggle, and what can potentially come of it. What I'm keen to know is, does a digital detox make sense in these times of crisis? If you're a journalist, you'll know how hard it is to switch off at the very best of times. But in these unprecedented days ahead of us, it can be even harder for reporters and audiences alike to put down their smartphones and take a screen break. So how can we strike a balance that really works for us? That's all to come. Quick announcement, join us for a Facebook Live Q&A next Monday from 3pm UK time. You'll find us by searching for journalism.co.uk and while you're there, do give us a like. Myself and the editorial team will be there to discuss adjusting to life, working from home and taking all of your questions. We're keen to know what you want to know during the coronavirus lockdown and we hope to see you there. Trina joins us on Skype after this quick message from the journalism.co.uk jobs board. This podcast is brought to you by journalism.co.uk. We bring you the latest jobs in the media and communications industry. Our job of the week is a senior reporter role at Legal Business. To apply for this opportunity and more, visit our jobs board at www.journalism.co.uk forward slash jobs. Trina, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. How are you? Um, I'm fine <laughs> in the circumstances. In the circumstances, how is it in Norway? In Norway, we are in more or less complete lockdown. We've already been locked in for two weeks and we were just told that it would continue for another couple of weeks. Of course, we've only just sort of entered that sort of state here in the UK, but it makes it an interesting time to talk about your uh, soon to be released book, uh, Digital Detox, The Politics of Disconnecting. Uh, in, in your own words, Trina, give us an overview of the book and its core message, please. Um, I wrote this book because, of course, first I, I noticed that uh, disconnecting or maybe talking about disconnecting <laughs> was uh, becoming a new trend. Uh, and I have studied um, ways that people react to the media. You know, I've studied uh, people disliking the media and sort of being enthusiastic towards the media. And I also studied, for example, how people hated or loved television. And I started to observe that um, a lot of the same ways of talking emerged around social media and digital media. Uh, you know, extreme fascination, but also strong distrust and dislike. Um, and I'm fascinated by how people express that dislike of the media. You know, and um, one way to do it is to talk about how you are using it too much <laughs> and how you should try to get away and various discussions around that. So one of the things I take from the book is that it offers a lot of really interesting examples in in our very much day-to-day -day lives on what a digital detox actually looks like, but really why you would want to do it and what can really come out of it. 
Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's fair to say. And um, I have to say that we don't really know that much about this yet. As I said, we know people talk a lot about it. We don't really know how many do it, for example, or how many succeed with actually taking a break from social media. Um, but we can see some clear reasons why people would want to do it. Is it just social media? Is it just deactivating a Facebook account or is it wider than that? It's much wider than that. I think a major change, of course, from uh, previous times is that people have a much more intense and personal relationship with their media, their smartphones, you know, especially. Uh, and also people experience this 24-7 connectivity as um, in different ways, but the, many people feel th that it's quite invasive. Uh, and if you ask people in the UK or in the US or in Norway about um, whether they think they are too much online or too much on the phone, between 30 and 50% answer yes. It seems to be sort of a, a general problem. But um, the, in, you mentioned social media, that's, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is news. People can feel invaded by the news, you know, constant news updates and the fact that people check now news all the time. <laughs> and people also can feel invaded by, by messages and the fact that messages are coming at them from all sorts of platforms, all sorts of times. I have to say I find that easy to believe because as a journalist and working in the media, it feels like I am always looking at a screen, whether that's my smartphone in the morning, whether that's a laptop for eight hours a day or if that's a TV in the evening. Um, as you will know, last week I actually took a week of annual leave. Uh, I, I took a week of holiday and uh, that represented a bit of a screen break for me. But what I thought would be interesting, Trina, is to talk you through some of the experiences that I had and to get your kind of steer on how you would explain some of those behaviours. And my editor's going to kill me for admitting this. <laughs> but at the start of the week, I was finding it very difficult to switch off. When I had this week off from work, I was still checking work emails. I was still checking um, what stories we were publishing. I was still checking my news app. Gradually towards the end of the week, it was a little bit easier. I was putting my smartphone down a little bit more and I was able to have a bit more of a screen break. But then sort of the weekend before coming to work, I realized what are my stories for next week? I'm so out of the loop. I'm so behind now and starting to panic. What, what's your professional take on that? How do you explain some of the behaviours that I've described there, which I think a lot of journalists may relate to? I think it's quite typical. And I have to, I have to say to start with that the people like you, people who are using the smartphone and messages and email and everything a lot, they report more stress as well, of course. So, you know, um, people who do it for work. And um, a lot of those people try to disconnect a bit just to survive the work situation. And um, I think you describe a situation where people find it quite difficult to, to log off, you know, and they get sort of, um, what should we say, sort of abstinence. Or, and uh, the ways that people do it is, um, you said you put your phone down, but often people have to really put it out of sight. So I don't know, did you, how did you put it down? Did you just turn it over? or I Left it in a different room. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've seen that online, but there are now various gadgets that you can buy to put your phone away. You know, a mobile house, a mobile bed, a mobile hotel. And for example, you can buy a mobile bed online where you can put your phone to bed so you don't have to see it and bring it into your bedroom. Uh, so that I think the, the physical uh, aspect is very important. The space aspect, people sort of put it so they can't really see it, you know. That's like you did. But why do people find it so hard to switch off? 
it's um, when you look at the, not just the research I've done, but also people, other people's research, um, people often describe their phone as something that craves constant attention. And uh, one person actually said it's like a cat or a baby, you know, that, uh, you know, you, you, you put it away. <laughs> but then every time you go by, you feel sort of uh, yearning to interact with it <laughs> and to sort of uh, maybe touch it or, or look at it or talk to it. Um, and of course, uh, people also describe it as uh, something, a constant source of entertainment that it, uh, and it's constantly uh, perhaps offering something that's more entertaining than the situation you are in right now. So you know there is always something there for you, although you don't really know what it is, you know. Is this healthy? I find it really difficult to determine whether it's healthy or not, because it's very easy to have a health discussion about everything. One of the reasons uh, why I wrote the book is because I think it's fascinating how talking about how much you use your phone is very similar to talking about how much you eat or to much, how much you exercise, <laughs> how much you use your car, you know. And in that sense, um, it's also become like a marker of identity. So if I talk to people about how much they use their phone, they are often ashamed, you know, about their phone habits or they brag about how, how good they are. So there's a, there's, there's a virtue, I suppose. Yeah, there's a virtue, uh, a way to talk about it. And since I have studied other forms of, um, uh, what should we say, media critical reactions or protests against the media, they, historically they have often been more political, you know. Um, and of course they, they still are, but people, if people dislike television, they try to regulate it or they, you know, they wanted, they wanted some form of state action. <laughs> Uh, whereas uh, if you are too much on social media, you, you tend to blame yourself and you think that um, the problem is that you don't self-regulate enough. What I found really interesting in the book is this idea that technology and digital products are seen to be convenient, but in fact, when you detox, it can increase your productivity, it can increase your sense of presence in the world, and it can increase sort of your feeling of privacy and keeping yourself private from the world. To flip that, a detox for for me as a journalist would represent um, sort of it would come at a big cost to my work. I'm very dependent for my job for social media. So what I would like to ask is um, what level of detox makes sense for someone whose job really depends on sort of the digital world? I think that's a very important uh, point. Uh, what, what people do in your situation is more mostly that they would take a break. They would put it away like you did for a number of some hours. When I first started looking at this like 10 years ago, a digital detox would maybe be six months. <laughs> right. A really extended period of time. <laughs> yes. And um, or people would do it like for two weeks. And now people talk about, you know, a two hour detox as a major achievement. Obviously, the it's it's amazing timing that the book comes out in in that we are all now sort of at home and self-isolating. Does this present us an opportunity to digital detox? I think what you're uh, seeing now is um, extreme dependency on the one hand, of course, on social media. And we also see how useful they are. And uh, of course, we see that in other times as well, but it's very clear now. We also see how people try to, uh, let's say, infuse uh, social media and Skype and other platforms with, with a kind of social 
closeness or the authenticity that we usually reserve for face-to-face communication. You know, <laughs> we try to make it, um, we try to make it more personal, more more live, uh, because we miss that face-to-face contact. So on the one hand, we see how useful social media are, but we also see how much we really need that personal contact or uh, or face-to-face contact. Mm double-sided um of course what we also see is sort of obsession really with updates with everything that's happening we want to know every last announcement from the prime minister we want to know the latest death tolls constantly that's probably associated more to the topic but how much does the digital element come into play here how much does it kind of enable us to become obsessed by this topic right now oh of course it all all the usual mechanism are at work, you know, push notifications, self-interruptions, um, uh, constant updates, uh, you know, <laughs> live videos coming at us from, from everywhere. So I think, of course, this is, uh, for, for the media, this is a great situation in the sense that, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, listening and viewing and reading goes really high. People use the news a lot. Um, I've been interviewing uh, people a little bit over the last days, people who are in isolation and people also say now that they really feel the need to take a break or um, ration their news, you know, and that they also realize that a lot of the news is just the same. (laughs) There isn't really any news, you know. (laughs) It it does feel that way. It does feel repetitive. But what, what does that do to news audiences, having that constant repetitive updates in their lives where they find it difficult to uh, difficult to switch off and fixated on the updates yeah it it you have the same problem as usual that you you are not really present with the people around you and you you constantly interrupt you know and that's one of the things that people tell talk about how they constantly interrupt conversations with the latest news uh, so it's ha- really hard to focus and that's one of the things people say in this situation is really hard to focus People have really trouble concentrating or focusing or just sort of, it's very fragmented. You know, you move from one little push to another little push and it's hard to make sense of it. There are, there are some interesting studies of news avoidance, people who try to get away from the news. And generally we have thought of those people as sort of a bit marginalized or maybe a bit, you know, on the side of society. But uh, many people say they avoid the news just to, because it makes too much impression on them. They feel hopeless, you know, they're... They think it's just too much. But I think we're possibly seeing something else right now, which is that people who traditionally wouldn't come to the news, who aren't news junkies, are now are now very much interested in the news. Oh yeah, that's because true. of everything that's happening. There, there was a study here in Norway where, where um, a survey where people were asked if they knew their information from the health authorities. And the survey showed that 100% of the population, you know, knew what to do. And that's a crazy situation because usually, you know, um, less than half knows what to do or have followed the news. So I think now, uh, that's very interesting that now then it's almost like the old, you know, BBC days where people were constantly in front of the same screen and knowing everything that was going on. So what what would you advocate in these times of sort of... Um, isolation and sort of working from home what do you think is the right level of digital consumption it's it's very hard to say because people will be in different situations Uh, and I also think it's uh, a lot of the digital detox field is so full of advice and full of you know all these (laughs) 10 ways to do this or 10 ways to do that 
Uh, so I think people should observe their own reactions <laughs> and try to take, you know, try to regulate the, their media intake so that it works for them. But in a situation like this, this is really a crisis and people have a lot of anxiety and they're trying just to cope. And I, I see that I, uh, on my own reactions. I cope well for two days and then I have sort of a panic day. <laughs> what are the symptoms when they're not coping? Your moods are constantly sort of influenced by what is going on around you, okay? I think most people feel that. If your level of anxiety is constantly rising in you, of course, you can't get anything done. And um, I only know from my research, I know that when people do take breaks, you know, they don't have to be long, but they do take breaks just to regain sort of uh, sanity, to sleep better. Uh, meals is an important discussion. People, a lot of people try to keep uh, some meals media free try to put the smartphone in a different room and just have a meal alone and with somebody else you know interestingly if you're working from home there's nobody there physically to moderate your hours you're very much in control of it and it, it's very easy to slip into just doing a few more hours starting starting work early what's your kind of advice there in terms of regulate like self-regulating a healthy amount of working hours at this time i think i think you're right the point is important that um, what, uh, the people who are most people are often annoyed about other people's media use right people are more annoyed about other people's use of smartphones than their own so it's good to have somebody around you who can actually <laughs> tell you <laughs> that it's too much so i guess the, the advice would be to make sure you have some routines that brings you into contact with others uh, and also the the usual you know take some time off have Go for a walk, make sure you get enough sleep. I mean, these, these, uh, sleep is very heavily influenced by digital media overuse, people say. That, that, that's one walk a day here in the UK, just for, just for clarity, you said go for a walk. It's the same here. So um, I think my, my take on it is that it's, it is actually quite hard in this situation to advise people to yeah. do anything else than just trying to cope. And maybe it just adds to the situation if we are all telling them how they could be more perfect, whereas the situation is pretty bad, you know. So if people become news junkies over these weeks or let their kids be gaming all day and night, I think that's very understandable, really. So looking quite specifically at your book, Digital Detox, what's what's the real value of this book that needs to be heard right now? What's the main message that you would like to send um, to journalists and those working in the media in very digital heavy fields right now? The media uh, will want to constantly increase engagement, increase loyalty. You know? The media will uh, use all the different ways they can to keep people sort of spending time on media. Um, I think in my, in my book, I show that is um, logical or rational for the media industries. But for a lot of people, that kind of um, situation makes it really difficult. And a lot of the gamification, likes, push, warnings, etc., makes it really difficult for a lot of people to sort of have the life they want. Uh, so I'm really interested in 
responsibility. I think it's um, the media industry seems to act responsible in the sense that they tell people to be responsible. <laughs> you know, the way they act responsible, for example, the telecommunication companies, they have all this advice for how you can avoid using their services. <laughs> the sort of social responsibility is telling other people to be more responsible and telling telling people to behave better and achieve balance, whereas it's really difficult. And one of the things I want to say in the book, that this responsibility has to be shared. So kind of pay a bit more closer attention to the warning signs in your own consumption. Take more ownership in terms of self-regulating and detoxing. Yeah, and I think I also have another message for journalists that very often when I talk about my my research or my book, they, they constantly switch to that kind of... Um, why are people so bad? You know, they, they constantly switch to the self-improvement message. Why cannot people be better? Uh, whereas it's, it's hard to get a discussion around the, the reasons why this situation is difficult to control for people. What people often talk about is how their checking cycles are spinning out of control. So a checking cycle is sort of where you pick up the phone and you have three or four apps that you go through. You know, you might go to Facebook, you go to weather, you go to news app. And uh, people say that's quite pleasurable for maybe five minutes, 10 minutes. But then they are still there one and a half hour later and they're checking the weather again for the 14th time and it still hasn't got any better. <laughs> and... So so ideally we would need to either by our own ability or through a te technological barrier be able to have a cutoff point which would stop us getting down that rabbit hole yeah i think i, I again it's difficult because for, for many people uh the the phone and uh, social media is such a genuine pleasure as well you know it's it's something that we need and have become really dependent on also in a good way you know the way we are dependent on our keys or <laughs> is something that we, we really need you know it, it's hard to so, um, uh, but for people who are in a precarious situation and maybe people who are constantly online, uh, yeah. th those, those are the measures that people use to get some cut off or get a break. Trina, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about your book, Digital Detox. Uh, thank you for all of your time and insights. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been lovely. Thank you. Lots of useful insights in there for me personally as we think about our own coverage at this time and hopefully you found a lot of that useful too. As someone who finds screen breaks difficult to self-enforce, uh, I think what I've taken from this interview is a sense of how important they are when you spend so much of your time flipping between different screens both in your work time and your personal downtime, especially now in these times of self-isolation. So UK listeners, take your mandated daily walk and don't neglect your stress levels. Uh, I think those are a few of the main things I've taken from the discussion. Once again, Trina's book, Digital Detox, The Politics of Disconnecting, is released on the 30th of March, 2020. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, we have plenty more episodes for you to check out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and you can find those by searching and subscribing to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. We'll be back next week to discuss what misinformation looks like in the coronavirus crisis. One last final reminder, if you'd like to jump on the podcast with me, do shoot an email over to jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for this week. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Until next time.